proclaimed by Jesus and recorded by John the Apostle, declares the triumphs and failings of each church and warns each congregation to repent. The advice in these letters is prophetic and it's a forewarning to present day Christian communities of the snares that can lure us away from our faith. In the first century AD, the Apostle John was exiled to the, exiled to the island of Patmos, which was a Ro Roman penal colony near Asia Minor. John's crime was practice, for practicing Christianity. So while he was in Patmos, John was seized by the Holy Spirit and received prophetic visions from Christ, instructing him to write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. So why were these seven churches chosen to receive the I'm going to have to go up here, sorry. The ap apocalyptic message. Revelation's seven churches were among a number of early Christian communities in Asia Minor. These particular seven churches may have been chosen to receive Christ's message because geographically the churches were located along an established circular trade route that brought together most populous and influential parts of the province. Once the apocalyptic message was given to the churches in these prominent cities, the message would spread to the Christian communities in the rest of the province. So although the seven letters in Revelation are tailored to the named churches, these churches and their problems can symbolize all churches in one respect or another. The instruction given to Revelation's congregations, therefore, is valuable to Christian congregations today. Now, the thing is with Revelation, as you probably know, it's very contentious. Um, there are a lot of people that feel that it was for then, but it's not for now, that it was fulfilled in 70 AD. I'm not going to get into the theology of all that because we want to go home tonight. Um, but... I do believe that everything that's written is relevant for now, um, regardless of where you feel that some things do, were fulfilled. It's a minefield. So we'll start off with Ephesus, the church of Ephesus, the church that had abandoned its love for Christ and his teachings. That's Revelation 2, 1 to 7. So I'm not going to read it all, but I'm going to summarize um, and give a little explanation of each one, just like a bullet point of each one. So Ephesus was the prominent commercial and cultural center of Asia. Christ's letter to the church of Ephesus praises the congregation for its deeds, hard work and perseverance, and for its rejection of false apostles. But despite its hard work and doctrinal integrity, Christ faults the community for having forsaken the love that they had at first. This forsaken love can mean that the Ephesians had become less devoted to Christ or that the work that they did was no longer motivated by love for one another. The letter to the church of Ephesus 
does offer the community hope if they repent and rekindle their love for Christian living. The significance for today, the lesson in the letter to Ephesus teaches us that truth and love must go hand in hand. A church that upholds doctrinal purity at the expense of showing love is just as flawed as a church that upholds congregational harmony at the expense of truthful teaching. Instead, Jesus reveals that a church fashioned in his image must teach God's truth, but in love. And the church of Smyrna, the church that remains faithful amidst persecution. Smyrna was home to a large Jewish community hostile to Christians. The Bible notes that slanderous accusations by Jews against Christians had led to Christian persecution by Roman authorities. Um, you can also see this in Acts 14 and Acts 17. Christ's revelation to the church of Smyrna commends the community for its material poverty and its spiritual wealth and acknowledges its wrongs, wrongful persecution. Christ does not reprimand this church, but warns of impending imprisonment for some of its members, urging them to remain faithful, even to the point of death, and remember the promise of their victor's crown. Today, it's significant because like the church of Smyrna, Christians are being persecuted worldwide in obvious and horrendous ways. This letter warns all Christians that although we may suffer greatly, the length of tribulation will be short compared to the promise of eternal life. We have an eternal promise. The church of Pergamum, the church that compromises its belief. The city of Pergamum was renowned for its pagan practices. Excuse me, I'm going to have to get a tissue. It's cold. I'm like a little puppy. I've got a wet nose. Um... So the Church of Pergamum, the city of Pergamum was renowned for its pagan practices. The letter to the Church of Pergamum praises the congregation for upholding its faith despite the city's widespread pagan influence. The letter then addresses the church's sin by denouncing some of its members for following false teaching that brought about religious and moral compromise. The Lord calls on the community to repent or risk the judgment that will emanate from the sword of his mouth. Those who repent will be given the hidden manna that is the grain of heaven in Psalm 78, and a white stone or clean slate with a new identity in Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Given its location, you would have thought among these pages pagans, you would have thought this church also suffered persecution. But Satan had different tactics against this church. 
that was more effective than persecution because he sought to corrupt this church from the inside. Like the Christians in Pergamum, it's easy to normalize the non-Christian behavior of those around us and allow that behavior to dilute our values so that unfortunately the world comes into the church. But the Bible urges us to not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of our mind in accordance with God's word, as we know Romans 12.2 tells us. So we'll move on to the church of Thyatira, the church that follows false prophets. Thyatira was a wealthy commercial city. Jesus' letter to the church of Thyatira praises it for growing in faith and service. The church's downfall was its devotion to a false prophet that led some of its members to commit idolatry and immorality. Although the false prophet remained unrepentant, Jesus affirms that the congregation can still repent by turning away from the prophet's ways. The Lord reminds us in this revelation that he will repay each of us according to our deeds. The payment for sin is death. Those who persevere in faith, however, will receive a share of Christ's messianic authority over all nations and triumph over death. Hallelujah. Just as some in the church of Thyatira were led astray by a false prophet, Christians today fall prey to cult leaders, occult practices, and other false teachings. To share in Christ's victory, we are to avoid these so-called deep secrets of Satan, Revelation 2.24, and hold firm to Christ's teaching. The Church of Sardis, the church that is spiritually dead. Sardis was a city that had endured two surprise attacks despite its fortifications. Our Lord faults the church of Sardis for maintaining an outward appearance of being alive, vibrant, spirit-filled, open to God's work, obedient to God's word. However, Jesus looked at this church and he saw a deeper reality. The church was not wicked or immoral, but dead because it was unresponsive to Christ. They were actually spiritually dead. Alluding to the city's history of prior surprise attacks, Jesus warns the congregation to wake up and repent, lest he come like a thief in the night to, to, dis, to bestow his judgment. They'd got so comfortable and they thought they were um, impenetrable and they'd gone to sleep. Those in the church of Sardis who heed Christ's warnings will be dressed in white, a symbol of purity and victory, and he will and will be acknowledged in heaven's book of life. Today, Christians can fall into that trap that ensnares the church in Sardis. If we merely go through motions of practicing our faith without really feeding our spirit, we can avoid becoming the living dead by engaging in our faith through the Bible study, through prayer, 
and through fellowship. Two more to go. The Church of Philadelphia. The church that patiently endured despite weaknesses. Philadelphia was home to a synagogue community hostile to Christians. Christ praises the Church of Philadelphia for remaining faithful in the face of trials despite their limited strength. Jesus does not reproach the Church of Philadelphia, but he commends its, condemns its persecutors. Christ promised that if Philadelphia's congregants remain faithful to him, he will protect them from the hour of trial and make them pillars in God's heavenly temple. Today, the message of Philadelphia shows us the blessings that come when we maintain our faith despite life's tribulations. In fact, those who persevere despite weaknesses will stand strong as pillars in heaven. The last church is Laodicea. And I think we're all quite um, familiar with this church because it's the one that Jesus says is lukewarm. Laodicea was a prosperous industrial and commercial center. Jesus' letter to the church of Laodicea wastes no time denouncing the congregation for its lukewarm faith, threatening to spit the congregation out of his mouth. Christ scolds this church for allowing its economic prosperity to cause its spiritual bankruptcy and reveal that despite its economic wealth, only he can provide the spiritual wealth. Those in Laodicea's church who open the door to Christ will share in his heavenly banquet and have the right to sit with him on his throne. Like the church of Laodicea today, it's easy to become complacent in our faith during times of abundance. Christ warns us in this revelation that he will spit out lukewarm disciples. Instead, Jesus urges us to keep seeking the Lord's face even after his hand has bestowed riches in our lives. Um, the reason why I've, I've, um, I really felt, it was like a flash across, uh, across my, my eyes. And we really need to stand in the gap because this is just not, not for them. It is for now. It is for now. Um, and we have the privilege um, to stand together and, and to beseech the Lord for mercy, for grace. But actually, it's a wake-up wake call for the church at large. Um, I don't want to be deceived. I don't want to be deceived. And I pray that, Lord, you know, don't let me be deceived. Let me, let me really know what your word says. Let me not be lukewarm, because I don't want to be spat. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be spat out of his, his mouth. Because I don't know if you've had lukewarm water. It's not pleasant. It's neither hot nor cold, and it's not pleasant. And, and that's what the Lord says. And I don't want to be that person. I don't want to come under God's judgment. And I don't believe um, that any of us here want that either. But the thing with deception is you don't know you're being deceived. 
So we, I would like us really to, to um, pray that the church at large, um, and particularly in Bradford, become unified. Um, and that we move as one body with one expression of truth and love that ba it's balanced out with the, with the real word of God but with a heart from for, for love from love um, so that's it really it's just it's just um, a deep feeling that the Lord um, is sad over some of the th behavior in his in his in his church and when I say church, I'm, I don't mean here. I just mean at large that some of it, some of its behaviour and its compromise grieves him greatly. And we have um, a privilege to to pray on other people's behalf, our behalf, this community's behalf, but church, church in Bradford and in the wider, we have we have that authority. We have that understanding that when we pray things happen things happen and we want all we don't want any to perish we don't want anybody to be spat out of christ's mouth we don't want deception and um yeah just really feel passionate about it tonight that you know that we we stand together and where two or three are gathered it commands the blessing but it commands it, it, it when we pray in line with what God wants, which is his heart, things happen. We can, we can move mountains when we pray with, with faith. So if, um, it's going to be an open mic. Um, but yeah, we just, let's just pray. Father, we know that you hear our prayers. We know that you not only just hear them, Lord, but you act and you move. And your heart is for your bride. Your heart is for your bride to come into all that she, in the fullness of all that she should be, Lord Jesus. You called us to be one body, moving in accordance with your will and your purpose, but moving in unity, Lord Jesus. So we lift up all the bride in Bradford to you, Lord. For those of us, Lord Jesus, I just want to repent, Lord God. I want to repent on behalf of the churches in Bradford that have compromised, that have watered down your gospel and your word to tickle people's ears or to make your message more palatable. Father, would you forgive us, Lord, when we don't stand strong for what your word says. Father, just forgive us, Lord. But wake us up. Wake us up, Father. Put a fire in our belly. Put a fire in our belly, Lord Jesus. But don't let us be lukewarm, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes, Lord, you call us to submit to you, Lord God. 
we come yielded to you, Lord God. You'll cause the proud here. Lord God, we want to come to you in humility. Lord God, Lord God, Lord God, we come to you for the church. And we stand in the gap, Lord. We acknowledge we have not been all that you wanted us to be, Lord God. And we're sorry, but more than sorry, we say we want to turn around, 180 degrees turn, Lord God, and we don't ever want to do what we've been doing against your will again, Lord God. And we ask that you would strengthen us by your Holy Spirit. We pray for the whole church, Lord. We pray for the whole church, Lord. Lord God. Lord God. The first time we did the the deliverance ministry, the E2 course here, it snowed and we could see the white snow on the windows above. And then somebody had a vision of a white sheet above the church. And we, we couldn't understand what, what is this white sheet. Well, it's a clean sheet. God has given us a clean sheet. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. But, Lord God, we know that we can sometimes open the door to the enemy. And so, Lord God, we come to you by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we pray for our church that all those doors that have been opened to the enemy, we, we close in the name of Jesus. We close in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And we guard those doors by the Holy Spirit and say to the enemy, no more, no more, no more. No more will you infiltrate the church. No more. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord God, we just, we just release a spirit of resurrection over our church, a spirit of life. Lord God, your life. And Lord God, that we might be fully connected with your spirit, Lord God. Your spirit. Your spirit. We know that apart from you, we can do nothing, Lord God. And Lord God, we repent where there's been any control or manipulation or self-sufficiency, Lord God. We repent. We, we, we stand in the gap for the whole church, Lord God. We repent. We come and submit ourselves and we repent, Lord God. And Lord God, we pray for the church. And not only for the church, but the whole of Bradford, Lord God. The lost. We pray for the lost. The lost. It says in your word, you want none to perish. None to perish. And so, Lord God, as we come together corporately, so much more power than just the numbers that are here tonight. So much more power corporately. And we say, we, we say, we stretch our spirit over Bradford. We stretch our corporate spirit over Bradford. And we say, arise, shine. Arise, shine. Life, we say, life. Come alive, those dry bones. Come alive. Come alive. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord God, won't you reign? Won't you reign in Bradford? Won't you reign in your church? Awaken, awaken, arise, shine.
has come. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Yes, Lord God, won't you clean your church, clean your church, Lord. Cleanse your church, Lord God. Cleanse your church, Lord God. And where the enemy has got anything on us, anything in us, any weapons, we say no weapon formed against us shall prosper. We say, enemy, get out. Get out of the church in the name of Jesus. Get off the people of the church, with your torments, with your, your schemes, off them in the name of Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for all you've done, for all you've done for us, Lord. Thank you that we're seated with you at the right hand of the Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, it says in Revelations 3. And the angel of the churches uh, wrote to the people in Philadelphia these things. He says, He who is holy, he who is true, he who has the keys of David, he who opens, no one shuts, and shuts, and no one opens, because you have kept my command to persevere 
I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole earth to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I come quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. Thank you, Lord, we have a crown. We are crowned by you, Lord, by your word. We stand on your word, Lord. We will not be deceived. We will stand on your word. Your word is true, Lord. We will not dwell in a house on our own and idolize ourselves. We will come with our brothers and sisters and speak your word and share your gospel. We will have people to look up to that we can ask questions just as the disciples did. And we'll also have people underneath us that we can share the gospel with. We will glorify your name and lift your name on high, Lord. We thank you that that is what we have to do. And we shall persevere. We shall not be put off. We will fight that good fight, Lord. We will fight that good fight. We stand on it. We will not pers we will persevere, Lord. We will not we will not faint. It said you say we should pray and pray and not faint. We will not faint, Lord. We will stand on your word and be true. The devil may try with his snares and whatever, but we will not be defeated. We shall glorify you and lift your name on high, Lord. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. And we say hallelujah in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus for all you've done in our lives, Lord. Glory to you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. I ask for mercy and grace for each and every church in Bradford. I ask Holy Spirit that you would move mightily in each church where conviction is needed. I ask Father that you would bring that gift of conviction. Where repentance is needed, I pray, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, come and convict us. Give us a heart, give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart, soften our hearts, Lord, 
Give us a heart to respond, Lord. So I bind the spirit of deception. I bind the spirit of compromise. I bind the spirit of witchcraft and idolatry. In the name of Jesus, I bind it, Lord, and I loose it off your church. I loose that compromising spirit, that deceiving, deceptive spirit. I bind you in the name of Jesus and I cast you off the church right now in the name above all other names, which is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would visit each of the churches in Bradford in a mighty new way. Holy Spirit, will you reveal Jesus Christ to those that do not know you, even though they sit on a church chair. Lord, without the Holy Spirit, we will not know Jesus and we will not know God. So Holy Spirit, come and invade your body. Come and invade your church with a mighty revelation of Jesus Christ that brings purity, that brings holiness that brings healing, that brings restoration, that brings strength and courage and boldness. Strengthen our backs, Lord Jesus, for us to stand firm for the task that you've given us in this city, Lord. May we go out with love and mercy and grace, but with boldness. May we not water down your gospel but stand firm, pouring your love into our hearts that all that we do is marked by your love, Lord. For those of us in the church that are parched and thirsty and feel dry, come and refresh us, Lord. Come and heal our land. time of refreshing is coming. For those that have been waiting a long time to feel his presence, he says he's never left you or forsaken you. But a time of refreshing is coming. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you never leave us or forsake us. Thank you that when we are weak, you carry us, Lord. But I ask for a strengthening, Lord. Not in, by our might, but by yours, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, that everything is complete in you. Thank you, Lord, that if we lack anything, we only have to come to you. And you give us all that we need for life and godliness. So we come, we come, and we ask that you would purify your bride, that you would strengthen us, that you would fill us to overflowing, that we're overflowing with your love, your power, your strength, your love, Lord. We invite you.
we invite you, Holy Spirit. Soak us like the rain tonight, Lord. Soak us, Father. Change us, Lord. Change us so we may look like you. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Father, I just thank you, Lord. Lord, that when you were walking on this earth, Father, and you called the twelve, Lord. Father, there was unity amongst your people, Lord. And Father, you told your twelve to wait until the Holy Spirit came upon them. And Father, when the Holy Spirit came, they had such power because of the Spirit. And Father, it's so hard, Lord, sometimes to wait upon you father but we need your holy spirit father we bind the spirit of religion that binds up churches and keeps them focused on things of men instead of the things of god and we ask lord that in this move of your spirit lord that you would enlighten the churches lord so that they will come back to their first love lord so that you would be preeminent in every church, Father, in this city, Lord, and in this land, Lord, because you desire to move by your Spirit, Lord. And in order for you to move by your Spirit, we need to be in tune with the Holy Spirit. We need to know, Lord, what you are saying, Father. And Father, I know, Lord, that your hand and your love is towards every one of your people, Lord. But, Father, it is so easy to turn away, Lord, to things that are natural. It's so easy to think intellectually, Lord, and to miss the Spirit, Lord. And I just pray, Lord, that there will be a new awakening in this city, Lord. A new awakening in this city, Lord. That the leaders, the people in authority, Lord, would learn or they would just start to know you, Lord, as you really are that they would get to come to yield to the Holy Spirit, that they would release the captives they have in their churches, Lord, that they would allow movement, Lord, of people in the church, Lord. Oh, Father God, there's so much, um, um, so much family-orientated churches all over this country, Lord, where we have father, mother, sister, brother, and no one else, Lord, can move because of the... Uh, closeness or the, the, that's been closed in on your people, Lord. And I just pray, Lord, that you'll break that open, Father, and that your spirit will have reign again, Lord, in your church, Lord. Lord, in revivals in the past, Lord, this is exactly what you have done. You have opened up the air, Lord, so that your spirit comes through, Lord. And we plead with you tonight, Lord, that your Holy Spirit again, Lord, Again, Lord, we'll visit these churches, Lord, across the whole of this land, Lord. And we pray for ourselves also, Lord, that we will keep sensitive to the Spirit, Lord, because it's so easy to get trapped by saying, this is what we are doing. This is what God has said. And then put what you have said into a shrine, Lord, so that we can't move away from it, Lord. 
Father, I just pray, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you will move again by your spirit, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you will open our hearts and our minds, Lord. Because, Lord, we know, Lord, that when we're led by you, then, Lord, we know that we know that we know that we cannot go astray because you are the one who is talking to us. You are the one who is leading. You are the one who is guiding. Oh, Father God, we just drink of you today, Lord. We need you so much, Father. And I just pray, Lord. I just pray, Lord. I just pray, Lord, for an enlightening in this land, Lord. Lord, I just pray, Lord, for a new move of your spirit, Lord. In Jesus' name, Father. Amen. Lord, you are a refining fire. And how we need you to come. Come and stir up the churches. Bring your fire and drive out religion and drive out unbelief. Lord, in the churches. Judgment begins first with the household of God. So, Lord, we must, we need to get our act together. Lord, I ask I'd bring all the churches in Bradford, district of Bradford before you. I ask, Father, for your Holy Spirit to come as a refining fire, refining fire, and drive out everything that displeases you, drive out everything that hinders you, Lord. We said the traditions of men can block the power of God. And we ask, Father, for our willingness to rid us rid ourselves of anything that hinders your spirit. Lord, I ask if you put a desire in the churches to really want you, you above everything else and uh, that they'll be flexible and willing to let go of anything that hinders you, Lord. In Jesus' name, come as a refining fire and clean up, clean up the churches, Lord. In Jesus' name. Include and, and ourselves, Lord. If we, if we are grieving your spirit, Lord, in any way, show us, Lord, that we may repent. But, Lord, we, we acknowledge, Lord, that judgment begins first with the household of God. Lord, come. Come, Lord Jesus. Come and refine. Come and refine. Come and drive out the money changers. Drive out the things that hinder you and hinder your life. And stir up your people, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name we ask it. Amen. <laughs>